Please bow your heads with me. Father God, we thank you for this day. I pray that you be with Bryce and his family, safety in their travels, and that you might speak through him. And I pray for your help here also. May your word be front and center. May we grow our, our minds focus, our hearts affection towards you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I can tell you one thing about me, I like eyes. Now, ever since I was in middle school, I've been fascinated by eyes. In my art classes, I would draw eyes. You know, sometimes you have to draw faces, the mouth, the nose, but it was definitely the eyes where I put the most attention and detail. Have you ever heard the phrase, the eye is the window of the soul? It's a pretty common metaphor. It's kind of a weird expression that basically says that eyes can give you insight into the inner world of a person. So the general idea is that if you look into a person's eyes, you get an idea of who they are. Now there is really something to this. Eyes give you a lot of information about a person's emotional state. When people are sad or worried, they furrow their brow, which makes the eye look smaller. Yet when people are cheerful or happy, they raise their eyebrows, making the eye look bigger or, and brighter. And you can even tell a true smile from a fake one by looking at a person's eyes. Sometimes we fake a smile, we do it out of politeness, but the eyes are the giveaway. People smile with their eyes. I love coming home from work and seeing my son, Simeon. I'll call his name, and he'll turn his head, and we make eye contact. And although he might have a toy or a ball in or covering his mouth, I can tell he is smiling by his eyes. But my favorite pastime is looking into my, the eyes of my wife, Nikki, and just getting lost. So our eyes are very important, and we should take good care of them. Doctors say we should daily eat fruits and vegetables. We should regularly take a break when we work at the computer. We should wear sunglasses when we go outside. And if we have a prescription, we should wear our glasses. We can also have an eye exam every one to five years, depending upon our age. And not only should we take good care of our eyes, but where we place our focus makes all the difference in our lives. I don't know if you've ever seen a Formula One race, but they are wicked fast. I just wonder, how do the drivers do that? How do they stay on the course at over 200 miles per hour without crashing into a wall at every turn? You see... Formula One race car drivers have trained their eyes to only look at the inside of a turn, the apex of each turn, and in doing so, they're able to rip, zip around the course at top speeds. And in a similar way, where you place your 
focus. And your ability to maintain your focus makes all the difference in your life. It makes a difference in the person you are becoming, and it makes a difference in your ability to accomplish anything of meaning or importance. Today we are going to look at what the Bible says about where we should and shouldn't be placing our focus. First, where does God look? Where does God place his focus? Our first passage is Psalm 121. It says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And also, Isaiah 66, 2, God says, These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. These verses tell us that God is always watching. He is a strength to those who look to him. And he is looking for people who are humble and responsive to what he says through his word, the Bible. Today, I would like to give you a spiritual eye exam. Are you ready? The main passage we'll be in today is found in Matthew 6. You're welcome to turn there. A key verse about the eye and where we can place our focus can be found in Matthew 6, verses 22 through 23. This is Jesus speaking, and it's taken from his Sermon on the Mount. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's kind of a weird picture. The eye is the lamp of the body. It's not saying that the eye is a lamp shining out like some science fiction movie monster, but that the eye is a lamp shining in. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. So where you place your focus impacts who you are and the person you are becoming. So let's zoom out our focus. Let's take a step back and look at the verses before and after this passage. Matthew 6, 19 through 24. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So verses 19 through 20 highlight where we should and should not put our focus and why. And this idea is paralleled or stated again in verse 24. Where we should not put our focus is in the pursuit of storing up treasures on earth. Verse 19 is a hard one for me to read. Because I like nice things. And I like collecting things. But I think verse 21 is the key to understanding it. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In this passage, Jesus is saying, Don't let the pursuit of wealth or stuff be the focus of your life. I want to be the focus of your life. Jesus is saying, your desires and affections will be caught up in it. I want your desires and affections to be caught up in me. Jesus is saying, it will be the master of your life. It will leave you never satisfied, starving for more, since you were designed for more. You were designed for me. Do you remember what you got for Christmas last year? How long did its satisfaction last? Personally, I really can't remember. I know I haven't touched it in months, and now I'm left just wanting more. C.S. Lewis writes in The Weight of Glory, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. As stated in the passage, instead, we should put our focus on storing up treasures in heaven. This begs the question, what are treasures in heaven? Treasures in heaven are everything that a follower of Jesus, while focusing on Jesus, can take with them beyond the grave. Like holiness of character, that is, Jesus' likeness. Obedience to all of God's commandments. Leading people to Jesus. Helping other disciples grow in their faith in Jesus. Storing up treasures in heaven is basically living like Jesus and doing his will. Jesus continues his teaching in Matthew 6, 25 through 27 and verse 30. We'll be looking at also. It says, 
Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, or what you will eat, or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In verse 30. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Here we see that we should not put our focus on worrying about our physical needs. Yes, do your diligence. Work to meet your needs. Take care of yourself, but know that everything you have has been provided by God. He has given you the job or means by which you provide for yourself. He has given you the ability to do the job. Every breath you take is a gift from God. He sustains you minute by minute, moment by moment. He created you. But when you allow worry and anxiety to be the focus of your life, you are holding yourself responsible for more things than you have the ability to control. You are basically saying, I am God. I am all-powerful. I am responsible, and it can affect all things that happen to me. Well, let me tell you, that is furthest from the truth. Give it to God. Place your trust and dependence in one who is good for it. God is bigger than any problem or any need that you might have. Free yourself from the torture of anxiety and worry. Now you might say, Chris, you don't know me. You don't know my story. You don't know what I am going through. You don't know the burden I am carrying or the paycheck that always comes up short at the end of each month. You're right. I don't know you. But I have been in your shoes. I know what it's like to not have enough. It's maddening. It's debilitating. At my lowest points, I've had to choose between being racked by worry and anxiety or letting God be God in my life. I recommend the latter. I implore you to trust him. There have been times that all I could do is get down on my knees and pray. And what happened next? Usually nothing immediately. But I have a journal with 20 to 30 entries of God's unexpected, miraculous provision. And I have seen, seen him meet my needs more times than I can remember. It got so bad that while I was in seminary, every time I opened my mailbox, I half expected to receive money. I was starting to take God for granted. Maybe that's a good thing. But even more than meeting our physical needs, God brings peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. 
Do you need peace in your life? Then I invite you to place your trust in Him. Where you place your focus makes all the difference in your life. And God doesn't want you to be somebody who makes the focus of your life the pursuit of storing up wealth and possessions. And God doesn't want you to be somebody who makes the focus of your life the meeting of your physical needs. And in the 21st century, we have some unique challenges of things that are vying to be the focus of our lives. The problem, as I see it, is that in the age of information, we run the danger of being addicted to information. In June of this year, the Proceedings for the National Academy of Science published a study suggesting the brain can become addicted to new information. There are countless things that catch our attention and focus. And because of the quantity, we are completely overwhelmed. We have a hard time deducing what is important and what is not important. What is urgent and what is not urgent. What is worthwhile and what is not worthwhile. We are regularly bombarded by media, advertisements, politics, social media, and notifications on our phones. And each is fighting to be the focus of our lives. Each is inviting us to participate in a drama of consumerism, entertainment, and just what our friends and family are doing. The danger is not necessarily making Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, YouTube, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, CNN, your latest free-to-play app or that latest viral clickbait article, the focus of your life, but all of them together. With such an abundance, what space is there for God in our lives? One of the best parts of taking our youth to camp in the summer is that Jeunesse Park has basically no cell phone reception and no Wi-Fi. I actually intentionally gather up their phones at the beginning of the trip and give them back at the end. Sorry, not sorry. And this, I think, is like a breath of fresh air. Although they may not like it at first, it gives each person a space to think, to reflect, and to collect themselves. It gives them the space to deduce what is important and where to place their focus. So this brings us to the end of our spiritual eye exam. How did you do? What is the focus of your life? Where do you place your eyes? Are your eyes healthy? In closing, I just want to say, keep your eye on the ball. Have you heard that phrase before? It originates, I think obviously, from the game of baseball. It implies that players need to watch where the ball is at all times. And it is a common phrase that encourages another person to keep their focus on what is most important. So keep your eye on the ball. So what's the ball?
Paul answers this for us in Philippians 3, verses 7 through 14, which I apologize, I don't have a slide for. But it says, Philippians 3, 7, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Make Jesus the focus of your life, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Pray with me. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the promise of your word. Thank you for the life that is given us in Christ Jesus. And I pray that each of us would keep our eye on the ball, would place our focus on that which is most worthwhile, that which we were created for. And so I pray that in this time, in this place, you might draw our hearts and our minds to you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.